Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. This episode is the result of a great partnership between Impact Boom and Social Ventures, with Social Ventures Director Annika Horn kindly providing the following interview. Dr. Angela Jackson, social entrepreneur, seasoned corporate executive, and now partner at New Profit, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is exciting to talk to your audience. I'm especially excited because the area of work that you are in is really not something we talk about all that often. It's really bringing people into the future of work and bringing people along that might even have challenges in coming in there, but I'm already getting ahead of myself. Um, Angela, tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do at New Profit. Right, so I lead the future of work initiative and strategy at New Profit. And New Profit is a 20-year-old venture philanthropy firm, and we've always been interested in investing in breakthrough entrepreneurs who are solving complex social problems. With the future of work, we're really thinking about how do we connect the mass majority of workers who don't have access to the future of work skills um, to opportunities to be upskilled so that they can really take advantage of these opportunities that now exist. Excellent. Tell me a little bit more about the challenges for those of us who aren't even aware that this is an issue. Can you help me understand where these problems arise and how you're trying to tackle them? Yeah. So I like to say that the the future of work and the future of workers is like the future of all of us. If you think about when most of us went to, you know, college, high school or graduate school, many of the jobs and opportunities that exist now didn't exist then. So we weren't trained for them. And so now we're all faced with this idea of lifelong learning. How is it accessible? How do you pay for it? And then how do you find the time to actually do it? And really who's most impacted by that? I think we're all impacted. I just want to name that. But who's most impacted are people who are living on the margins, who might be working for hourly wages, part-time jobs. You know, they're really grappling with how do they even know about this new economy, these new skills? And then again, who's going to, to pay for it? Excellent. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit more about how New Profit is engaging entrepreneurs and companies to help tackle those challenges. What are you looking for? Well, the first thing that we're looking for are just entrepreneurs with bold ideas, really, that are are willing to think about their end users. So many times when we have entrepreneurs, they're creating products for people that they'll never meet. 
that they haven't made in continents that are far from them, right? And so what we want to invest in is a set of entrepreneurs who are thinking about the workers and who want to be in close proximity, right? Really testing it with the workers, understanding their lived realities and building products that will help fit into their busy lives. And to make that a bit more concrete, we're thinking about if a worker is working from, you know, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. In the midst of that, they're figuring out how to homeschool their child, how to care for maybe an aging parent. How do you create a solution, an upskilling solution that's accessible to them? That means that they're not going to be able to take, you know, a month off because they can't afford it. That means they're not going to be able to do it during the day as part of a cohort, right? They may have to do this at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. At night, it might need to be in bite-sized chunks. And so we want entrepreneurs who are willing to be flexible to really think about how do we create this new learning ecosystem and learning opportunities that will work for the vast majority of Americans who are like the ones I just described, you know, really leading complex lives and have limited time. That is so interesting. And you just hit on a lot of points that I think are really, really interesting to dive a little bit deeper. And number one, really bringing in the voices of the workers. We often talk about how important it is to do customer discovery, to really understand what your target audience is struggling with. How do entrepreneurs best go about really bringing those experiences and perspectives from their target audience into their ventures and into the conversation? As I started working on the future of work, I did two years of research, just talking to entrepreneurs and talking to employers. And one insight that you know we took away from those conversations is that entrepreneurs feel like employers are their customers. So that's who they are doing their research with, right? But we have a vast majority of workers who might not be attached to employers, right? And those are people that we call hourly workers that are at the bottom quartile of the pyramid. So really what we're thinking about is how do entrepreneurs take the extra step, right, to talk to these uh, workers who might be at the bottom of the quartal, excuse me, who many think are non-consumers because they might not be directly paying for that training, right? It might be the government through subsidies, through workforce boards, through other workforce programs. It may ultimately be an employer, But the idea is that we really need to think about that bottom quartile and how to upskill them. And that benefits like not only the entrepreneurs in terms of a market, but it also benefits our entire country. I'm really intrigued by the large scale that you're talking about. You've mentioned more than once that this is not just for the small group in some pilot community, but you're really talking about the bottom 25% of the workforce that is not currently able to sort of upskill and get that, take that next step. What I've also noticed about New Profit is that you are taking an ecosystem approach, but you're really trying to connect communities across the board. Can you talk a little bit more about what that vision is and how you're able to bring different partners to the table? Yeah. So when you think about, you know, an ecosystems approach and what we think of as like systems thinking, we know that philanthropy alone is not going to be enough. You know, even the Gates Foundation, as as huge as they are, they've not made a dent in many of the problems that we see. We know that we need a collaboration between philanthropy, between government and between industry and innovators who are out there to help us think how we're going to solve these like large problems. So what New Profit does and what it does best is we're a convener 
you know, we're willing to put up the risk capital to de-risk some of this innovation. And so, for example, with the entrepreneurs that we're bringing on with the Future Work Grand Challenge, we're paying for them to pilot their solutions at workforce boards. So we're giving them grants to do that. We're also giving workforce boards grants so that they can dedicate a person to actually help manage and act as a partner and liaison with us. So it's de-risking it for the entrepreneurs, but also de-risking it for the workforce boards. And the ideas are is, is that once you get a proof of, proof of concept, once that you have an idea that works, then they can adopt them. It's easy. It's proven. Like that's the easy work then. All of workforce boards, they're trying to solve the same problems. They're looking at the same target audience that we're looking at. The people who are unemployed, the people who are not making a living wage. They're thinking about how do they upscale them at scale? Like how do you upscale them at scale? Um, but they can't really take the risk of uh, trying unknown, unproven innovations because you're like dealing with someone and the way that the government um, expects that they will report their outcomes, it's based on how many people did you train and successfully place in jobs. What New Profit is acknowledging is that when you try new innovations, that some of it may not work and some of it will. And some of it may work for certain people under certain context. We need to understand that and invest in that R&D that, so that literally the whole employment sector can benefit from that. That is so valuable. I think um, when you're not in the startup space, it's so easy to forget that there is this gap between idea, a whole lot of iteration, and then having a solution that you can bring to scale. So I'm really, really glad to hear that New Profit is stepping in to sort of bridge that chasm between here's an idea and here's a solution that works. Because what most people don't know is how much experimentation goes into fine-tuning and figuring out what works, especially when we talk about these complex and adaptive systems that really touch the lives of, of so many different people. So wonderful. I'm really happy to hear that. And I just like to add is it's not even that it's like, and I think entrepreneurs understand that. And I think, you know, our government understands that, but at the end of the day, an entrepreneur, especially one with a market driven solution, they're based on their success. And so everything is like around risk mitigation. And so what's like the highest leverage? And so what we want to do and what we're trying to do is just really align incentives by de-risking. So giving entrepreneurs the incentives to focus on a population that we know that is in need, that may not be one that might make most sense for them in terms of their business model, because they're going after employers, but employers are working with people who are already employed, right? And so we have to make sure, again, that people who have not been included are included in these opportunities. Can you give us an example for one of the companies that New Profit is working with where you are seeing some promise of solutions that might be scalable? Absolutely. So one that we're really excited about is called CodePath. Um, they're organized now is a nonprofit, but they also have a for-profit arm. What they've been, their for-profit business is working with companies like Facebook and Google and training their entry engineers. They're taking that same curriculum and they're taking students who attend historically black colleges. They're taking students who have been outside of the workforce and giving them that same exact training, 
right? And those wraparound supports. And what they've seen is that 80% of the graduates of their training are receiving jobs and that they have like a 30% increase in their salary and they're receiving jobs with benefits, with living wages. And that's really important because a lot of times the way the incentives are aligned now in workforce, it's just about placing people in jobs. And what we know now, especially in this pandemic, that is not enough, right? We need to place people in jobs that give them a living wage, that give them health care so they can take time if they're sick, take time off if they're sick, or take time off to, to care for a child or an elderly parent. So really, you know, we want to shift the conversation from placing people into jobs into placing people into good jobs with living wages. Absolutely. I think that's fascinating. If New Profit and all of your ventures were to succeed, every challenge in your ways magically disappears, what does that ideal future look like that you all are working towards? There's two things that we see. One is that we'd see a shift in our federal policy. And when we look at our workforce development dollars that we all pay into, and there's billions of government dollars, that it's based on not just placing people in jobs, but it's placing people in good jobs with benefits and a living wage. And we're seeing that there is more capital that the government is putting for risk capital and R&D and understanding where the incentives alignment is. So that's a huge outcome. The second one that we'd love to see in an ideal world is that employers are changing their practices around how they treat their lower wage and entry-level workers. If you look at professional development dollars, how employers spend them now, 80% are spent on their highest wage earners. You know, and I'll give you an example. I, I come from the private sector. I worked for Nokia, um, was a high paid executive working in international marketing. Like they sent me to INSEAD to go to business school. Right. Um, that was and they paid for it fully. And that was excellent. But in reality, I was making enough that I could have paid for it. Who really needed those dollars more in that professional development training would have been someone that was in an entry-level career or a mid-level career. So we want our employers to start thinking about how they invest their professional development dollars up and down the line. And when you look at entry-level workers right now, employers are mostly investing in compliance training. And so we want them to switch to like upskilling and skills for the future. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, my next question is more around you specifically. So we talked about the ecosystem, we talked about the ventures, we talked about sort of the systemic players that fit into this picture. What is your role specifically in helping us get to that future? How do you fit in? What's, what's your lever that you're working on? Well, there's two. So there, there's one is my just like personal lived experience lever. And then there's my position at New Profit. And so I share it widely that I was raised by my grandparents. My grandfather worked at a factory, the Chrysler factory in Wisconsin, and he was able to make a living wage. He was part of a union. I was able to go to undergrad and then on to get my doctoral degree. Um, that's not true anymore for, for factory workers, right? And so if you look at the adjusted wage, what people work make in factory per hour right now is what they made back in 1975, really, um, when you adjust. And so what I want to do in terms of my own lived experience is really bringing that perspective of like what that world used to look like when we took care of our workers 
and uh, what that provided in terms of our economy. And then using my position as a you know, managing partner, as a convener to bring people to the table to have these conversations. And so for example, you know, late last year, we brought together people in Massachusetts. We brought people from government, from transitional assistance, workforce boards to leaders in philanthropy and bringing them together to convene. And also academics and entrepreneurs at the table and said, what needs to be true for us to work together? What are the barriers and how can we new profits solve some of those barriers? So one of the barriers we heard was about dollars. So we could provide that Two is just convening power. Who's going to take the time to bring these players to the table, you know, understand the, the, the problems that we have and distill that into like an action plan. And so that's what we do. We really feel like that convening, that backbone, if you think about collective impact, like that's really necessary. Someone who's going to take on the operations and admin to actually get past some of these challenges. And that's really ecosystem building one-on-one. It's bringing all it the players together. Fantastic. But it takes time. It takes time. And if you think about that, there's costs associated with that. Mm-hmm. So who's willing to take on those costs? And those are things that we're continually thinking about. And with the Future of Work Grand Challenge, we have a phenomenal group of partners. So we have leading foundations like Strata Education Network, Walmart.org, Annie Casey, Kellogg. But we also have these leading workforce boards. We also have research partners in Harvard and Brandeis. And we've got these entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurial ecosystems through MIT Solve and XPRIZE. You know, who else is, are bringing them all to the table to align on a shared vision and mission and definition of victory? I'm so glad you said that it takes time because I think that is certainly one of the biggest challenges for social entrepreneurs as much as ecosystem builders is just how long it takes to move the needle. So my next question is, what needs to be in place for you personally to be able to do this work long-term? So one, you need to be in a, within an organization, right? That really understands that the time horizon is going to be long. If we look at this future work grand challenge, you know, we launched in June, but it was four years in the making. Four years in the making. And so systems change doesn't happen overnight. If you talk to many systems thinkers, they'll tell you it's a seven to 10 year horizon for you to see that change that you really want to see. So we had four years of preparation, right, to get all of the partners to align around that value position. And then when you talk about what you also need is like really a clear definition of like, what is your value proposition and what is that future state you want to see? And you need to find partners who are willing to align around that and two, who understand the time horizon. There was one partner, a, a large funder who I won't name, but when I told them that this was going to take two to three years, they said, oh no, Angela, we can't join that. And, you know, and next year we'll be on to something different. Future of work won't even be on our radars. And I was like, wow. Um, And it's good that they weren't in the partnership, actually, right? Because they would have wanted us to move at a pace that would not have been sustainable. Um, And they wouldn't have been satisfied with the progress we've made. But I will tell you something. um, Two years after that conversation, we're back in conversations with that particular funder. And they're excited about coming on board because they see the value that we that we built. So for people who are out there working in ecosystems and building ecosystems or thinking about systems change, uh, change, you may not have all of the supporters at the beginning. 
but continue your work because as you evolve, you iterate, you'll hit milestones, people will begin to come on board. We had the early adopters, right? When it was just a vision who came on board. And, you know, that's a shout out to Strata and Walmart.org. But then we had the people in the middle that once we had a proof of concept, they were excited to like be the wind beneath our wings when we talked about bringing on workforce boards. And now we have a group of, of partners who are like, gosh, you're learning a lot. We'd be willing to help share and amplify what you're learning. So there, when we think about systems, we're thinking long-term, but we also have to think about how we segment and what partners we might need at different like pages and steps in the journey. Angela, I can't think of a better note to end on than do your work, keep your head down and just keep doing it. And the right partners will come on board sooner or later, depending where you are in the process. Now, lastly, where can people learn more about your Absolutely. work? Absolutely. So they can literally Google futureofwork.com um, and New Profit and our page will come up. They can go to New Profit's site to learn about us, newprofit.org to learn about all of our investing and really to, to understand from New Profit's perspective, like we're investing on proximate thinking and ecosystem building. We believe that if you get close to the people that you're trying to help and that you're involving the ecosystem, that's always gonna lead you to victory and it's gonna lead you to success. Wonderful, Angela, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.